Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. In issues of racism, there are going to be some who will say, why don't you stick to preaching gospel? The social, political, and economic concerns have increasingly encroached upon the minds of those who should know better. The real transformative work in a nation is the transformative work of the gospel. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Why do I feel anxiety about this? Well, we are up against the authorities. Three bishops from the established church. That means either I am wrong, and Christians have been teaching incorrectly for the last 2,000 years, or and Jews and Christians for the last four to 6,000 years, or we have church leaders attempting to drag the church into apostasy. This is Wretched Radio, but think of us if you will, like Greyhound. Just sit back, leave the driving to Calvin Robinson. Perhaps you recognize his voice. He sounds smarter than all of us because he has a British accent, but this guy, (laughs) whippersnapper, what does he know thinking that the Bible speaks clearly on pretty much everything? He has been pilloried in the Anglican communion initially because He was anti-CRT, despite the fact that he is black. He doesn't believe CRT is a good thing. And incidentally, if you've ever wondered, what was John getting after in 1 John when he kept talking about, don't be in the world, don't be of the world, 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 world. Think world system, false religions, false ideologies. CRT is the world. It's the world system. It is an unbiblical worldview that has been smuggled into the church. And this fellow who was studying to become an Anglican priest, they, I don't know what they call it. I'm sorry if I've got this wrong, sir, like he's listening. They, they wouldn't let him go through with his ordination process because he wasn't woke enough for the Anglican communion. And by the way, the Anglican communion, in an effort to try to avoid the split that was inevitable, by trying to have a foot in both worlds, it ain't working. Why? Because the Archbishop of Canterbury is no longer recognized as first among equals by Anglican leaders. Jimmy, that's the word I was looking for last week. Remember? We're talking about church government. Uh And should a pastor, a single pastor, have autonomy and all authority over the church? I don't believe that's the biblical pattern I personally am a fan of a plurality of elders, but there should be a first among equals because you need to have leadership in no matter what the dimension is. There needs to ultimately be somebody who says, look, we're stalemated. We're going this direction. Incidentally, that does not mean, by the way, that the congregation is never consulted. There's there's another form of church polity. It is congregationalism, basically, where the congregation... I'm not sh- I just heard an example of this. I think the other I'm not going to say who it is because you know who it is and I don't want to misrepresent his church structure. But he said, quote, uh, I can't force anything at this church. I am here to serve you. If 51% of you determine I'm out, then I'm out. That, that's more it appears to be a congregation led model with elders stewarding. Now, None of these, the variance of these positions, in my estimation, is heretical. We should most certainly strive to figure this out. But even though I'm a fan of a plurality of elders, with one being a first among equals, that doesn't mean we never get the congregation involved. 
For instance, Matthew 18, church discipline, bring it before the body. What? Shouldn't the elders just make that decision and be done with it? It appears it's brought before the body to engage them to consider, should we boot this person? So go about the business of figuring out your church polity. A first among equals works for you swell, but it doesn't appear to be working for the Anglican Communion. On Monday, the conservative, this is last week, the conservative Global South Fellowship of Anglican Churches, which represents churches on every continent, and claims to speak for the majority of Anglicans worldwide confirmed with great sorrow that a number of its churches have rejected him as their spiritual leader. In other words, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, they do not recognize him as being the first among equals. A group of 12 Anglican archbishops, 10 of whom lead provinces within the worldwide Anglican Communion, issued a statement saying they are no longer able to recognize the present Archbishop of Canterbury as the leader of the Global Communion. He tried to straddle the fence. Okay, we're not going to do same-sex ceremonies, but we'll bless them. We'll let the state do it. We'll bless them, but we're not going to do that. It was a swing and a miss, and we all saw it coming, and it's happening that quickly. Quote, We pray that our withdrawal of support for him to lead the whole communion is received by him as an admonishment in love adding that they no longer see the Church of England as the mother church. Oofda. Straddle the fence. It ain't going to work. And that goes for each and every one of our local churches. Capitulation will not work. It just, it, it ain't going to spare you. You can be as progressive as you want, but until you take down every vestige of Christianity, you throw out the Bible, every hymnal, every religious symbol, and full-throatedly endorse a progressive worldview, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work in the church, and it ain't going to work outside the church. The Reverend Calvin Robinson, speaking before a what appears to be a council of bishops, making it clear, um, hey, we're not the ones changing here. Y'all are. We've always believed in marriage the same way. You guys are changing it. And this is yet another demonstration of a progressive tactic. Oh, you guys. Well, you're just not very, you're, you're just, you're rogue. You're rogue. You're not staying with the times. No, we're keeping with not the times, but the Bible. There's a growing number of vocal bishops who want to change the, ter- the church's teaching on marriage. The results being the spiritual neglect of Anglicans up and down this country. Good for him. That was pastoral, wasn't it? To be concerned about this. This has a real effect. Perhaps you've experienced this. Your church was once stout and sound, and now you got that new pastor, and uh, what are we singing? We're doing what now? Whatever happened to? And your church got taken away from you, right from underneath you. That is a painful experience. Let's continue to enjoy the Reverend Kelvin Robinson. Yes, he quotes Thomas Aquinas. Well, that's tradition. How's about the Bible when it comes to marriage? St. Paul describes marriage as, Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh, in which he is mirroring the language of Genesis, where God tells man and woman, to be fruitful and multiply. That's what we've always understood. But what happened? Well, we got all smart because remember, 
The guys who wrote the Bible were just dummies. People will often argue in this debate, we know more about homosexuality now than we did then. Maybe so. Hmm. But are we really going to suggest that God knew less then than we know now? Bingo. For either all of scripture is God-breathed, or it isn't. Either we believe Christ, or we don't. Way to go, sir. Seriously, way to go. The sufficiency of the Bible, the argument of certain camps that have made their way into the church would say, no, what Paul was admonishing isn't what we understand today, because you see, in the first century, they didn't have committed lifelong relationships. Well, I don't know how they know that, but it's irrelevant, because God did understand the concept Holy men of God spake as moved by the Holy Spirit, so God most certainly understood the concept, and it was simply forbidden. But no, not anymore. We're just too smart for that archaic Bible. So are we looking to alter the catechism of just the Anglican Church or the Catholic Church too? Should, should they all get with the times? 2,000 years of Christian doctrine cannot be altered at the whim of a few liberal bishops. I trust he was small c Catholicing. What is God ordained cannot be adjusted to suit our new liberal progressive views. Marriage is heterosexual and monogamous and should be open to the possibility of children. Isn't that refreshing? How old do you think this guy is, Jimmy? I- I'm not sure. I couldn't tell. He's 30 something. And he's been, man, he's been through a couple of spin cycles and a whirlpool washer, this guy, and yet he is standing firm. And he is lovingly, but for this is another good demonstration. You remember Heath Lampert? Remember when he was having to defend the Fort Lauderdale First Baptist Church's decision to have a statement of faith that included a definition of marriage? In order to be a member, you have to adhere to what the Bible teaches on something that is so plain and so obvious. And he responded in a Q&A with truth in love. This guy's speaking truth. But he doesn't sound like a jerk. So my question to the bishops would be, do we not believe in the authority of scriptures anymore? Boom! Can we pick and choose which parts of the gospel we adhere to? The church, after all, is Christ's bride, as we heard earlier. Jesus is described as the bridegroom, so that we may know how he relates to us. Two grooms would be pointless. Christ is already in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's us he's inviting in. In other words, marriage is a picture of something. It is a picture of Christ and the church, you know, the way the Bible describes it. We are directly talking about undermining God's plan as he has revealed it to us. We're replacing his authority with our own. If marriage is no longer between one man and one woman, are we open to the idea of polygamy? We disregard the heterosexual aspect, so why not the monogamous aspect too? If love is love, as we keep hearing, Who's to say that three men loving each other is not more love than two men loving each other? Oh, that's stupid. That's just the slippery slope argument. You can call it what you will, uh, but it demands then that we find ourselves an arbiter in this debate. And the judge, the one who makes the rules, is God himself. Where has he expressed his opinion? It is in the Bible. We hope that you will continue to sit back and leave the driving to the Reverend Kelvin Robinson. Next on Wretched Radio. Surprise! I continue to be surprised by MediShare, even though I researched it like nobody's business before Mrs. Freel and I committed to affordable, biblical health 
sharing as opposed to our traditional insurance plan. I researched, but I did not know all of the things that I'm discovering about MediShare. For instance, people are way more satisfied after making the switch. The customer satisfaction rate is double that of typical health insurance plans. Double. Is MediShare right for everyone? No, nothing really is. But it might be right for your family, and you might be very, very happy with it, especially when you're saving, on average, $500 per month per family. Interested? Learn more at MediShare.com wretched or receive a quote within two minutes by calling 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on Wretched Radio today. And don't forget to mark it in your calendar to look for, on Saturdays, the brand new Transform podcast hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford. You can hear it at transform.org slash podcast or anywhere podcasts are heard. In the Transform podcast, Dr. Gifford takes a more in-depth approach to explaining issues that we're all facing and dealing with. What to do when you feel stuck? How are we to control our tongue and communicate with one another? These are things that Dr. Gifford teaches in depth on the Transform podcast. And you can hear new episodes Saturday mornings at transform.org slash podcast or again, anywhere podcasts are heard. And it's all made possible by the support of our Gospel Partners. Just like every resource that we're able to provide here at Gospel Partners Media, and if you're not already a Gospel Partner, can I urge you to head over to wretched.org slash donate to get the answers that you're likely looking for. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles, to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor. Or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. Important dates in Christian history. 1540. The Society of Jesus is approved by the Vatican. Founded by Ignatius Loyola, the Jesuit order sent out zealous missionaries throughout the world, counteracting the Reformation and bringing Roman Catholic Christianity to the Americas. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Fort Lauderdale, Jacksonville. What's the difference? This is Wretched Radio. Do I keep moving Heath Lambert's church to the wrong town? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Why do I keep saying Fort Lauderdale? I don't know. Are you sh- Have you ever been to Fort Lauderdale? I have Do you been. know his church is not there? Have you checked every street? <laughs> huh? Have you ever been to Jacksonville? Bill. <laughs> yes, I've been there too. Cut a guy some slack. There's a fair amount of medication coursing through my body right now. That's why I didn't correct you on air. Well, thank you for doing it. <laughs> So privately, now here's here's what most people don't know about Florida. I mean, keeping in mind, of course, that a talk show host is never wrong. 
this was a filing issue at the courthouse for the name of the particular territory. Initially, I think it was like 17, late, late 1700, 1780-ish, where Jacksonville and Fort Lauderdale, it actually was reversed then, but there was just a confusion. It was the clerk. It was, it was a non-Christian clerk, goofed up the paperwork, and the Christian boss was so kind, didn't want to fire him. So actually, Jimmy, I stand right as always. Never wrong. Jacksonville is Fort Lauderdale. Don't you know the Reverend Calvin Robinson from Great Britain? He is an Anglican who is very concerned about what is going on with his communion. And whilst I think we should be concerned because we're watching leadership trash it, we need to remember Anglicanism in its purest form is an Orthodox denomination. That means we should be cheering for it, not jeering at it. Now, we can jeer those who are trying to corrupt it, undermine it. But we should be cheering for those like Calvin Robinson who seek to uphold what the Bible has always taught on these 21st century contemporary issues. I've been learning just a a tad because of the archbishop's decision to try to find a compromise with the marriage issue that we won't perform same-sex marriages, but we will affirm them by having a blessing ceremony, a distinction really without a difference. It's please nobody. Leading archbishops from around the globe are saying, sorry, you're not leading us anymore. That's encouraging. Let's be encouraged by that. Just like the Southern Baptist decision to give the left foot a fellowship to Saddleback Church and five other churches out of step with the Baptist faith and message from 2000. Let's 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 be happy about that. I've also heard in Australia, the Anglican communion, and I'm sure it's got its wild hairs, but overall is more Anglican than this progressive soup that is being stirred up by the progressives these days. Let's let's be glad for that, shall we? This is the Reverend Kelvin Robinson speaking truth in love. Jimmy, I'm telling you, I, wa- I want to get that thing where you mysteriously get a foreign language accent. <laughs> I want to get that. You just sound smarter. That's all there is to it. You do. Your IQ just goes up, at least in the ears of the hearer when you have a British accent. Should the church be more inclusive? Again, it's a play of words. It's it's virtue signaling. It's to appear good rather than to be good. The church should absolutely be inclusive. Christ spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes, but it is they who went away changed, not Christ. We are fallen, therefore we are all sinners. The church is open to sinners, of course it is, that's the purpose of the church. But it should not be to encourage people to continue to sin. Our duty as clerics is to help lead people to Christ, to lead them away from sin, not to embrace it, not to affirm it. Hey, Jimmy, got a question for you. Okay. Do you think any evangelicals have tried to kidnap this guy and bring him into our movement? <laughs> we should. Because he's sounding pretty good. He is. Don't mind me saying so. I don't know where he is on other issues, but he's killing it when it comes to the marriage issue. As Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. The trap that we're falling into in this debate is looking at the church through the eyes of the world rather than through his kingdom. Hmm. In the secular world, we already have equality in law. People can enter civil partnerships or even gay marriage outside of the church, and that's their prerogative. However, the faith is inherently discriminatory. God is discriminatory. He sets conditions on us entering his heavenly kingdom. It is not a free-for-all. We must turn away from sin, repent, and follow Christ. Maybe it's just the medication. 
But that makes me just a little bit verklempt is what it is. Did he use the word repent? He did. Did he say that God discriminates? Yep. How dare he? He does, of course. Because he is good, God despises sin. It's his goodness and his love and his justice and his righteousness that makes him a God who hates sin and that nobody will enter the kingdom of God with sin, which if I could just toss this in as just a little bit of a discursus on the subject of babies going to heaven, a number of people sent me emails in the last week and thank you. They disagreed with my understanding that there are about 23 Bible verses that make it clear a baby who has not accrued a sin debt by willingly and knowingly rebelling and sinning against God, even though they are little terrorists in diapers, he takes them to heaven because they don't have a sin debt. And these folks were engaging with me, and it was really very polite. I got to tell you, in our current culture, that that's a joy. So thank you. Anytime you disagree, Please feel free to engage idea at wretched.org. But one thing that I would ask my friends who would say, no, that's not the way it works because of total depravity. They're born in sin, in iniquity. Did my mother conceive me? I do not deny that. That is most certainly true. But if they are willingly sinning against God, I do believe that if you think that God just takes some babies to heaven, I think that opens up a big problem justice. How is it that Jesus had to come to die for sinners except that particular group? He would be making an exception, which would mean his justice and his righteousness would be compromised. The the position to which I ascribe that says, know a child who doesn't know, courtesy of Jonah, his left hand from his right hand, isn't shaking his little fist at God when he sins. Yeah, sinning, absolutely. They reach a level where they do. Where is that level? It varies with every single child. But to the mother and father who have lost a child, even if it happened to have been abortion, it was a miscarriage. It was SIDS. God would be unjust if he took some and not others. Therefore, I think the Bible is quite emphatic. Those people, babies, infants, small children, to what age? We can debate that based on the maturity of the kid, but also those people with mental struggles, God in his kindness takes them to heaven. Don't you worry, mom and dad, if you've lost a baby, you're going to be seeing them in heaven. Back to our regularly scheduled program with the Reverend Kelvin Robinson. And I want to specify it is the sin that is the problem, not the sinner. Every single person is loved by God, and God forgives all of us of our depravity. But we have to turn away from our sins and turn toward him. I agree with that. Now, i got to be careful with God loves the sin, hates the sinner, because we do have strong language that says God is angry at the wicked every single day. And I don't believe you find yourself any safe space by saying, well, God, no, he doesn't hate anybody. He's not angry at anybody. He just hates the sin. Well, sins don't go to hell. The sinner does. So as I wrap up, my message to the proposing side is do not lead us astray. Do not lead people astray. Nice. Do not be the wolves and sh- just this, this is this is as strong as Paul in Galatians, or at least very close. That is strong. Hey, Judaizers, you're anathema. 
Listen to the, he's saying to them, don't lead us astray. Don't show yourself to be a false teacher, but listen to the tone. So as I wrap up, my message to the proposing side is do not lead us astray. Do not lead people astray. Do not be the wolves in sheep's clothing. Do wow. not be the false teachers wow. that the Bible warns us about. Wow. Remember your obligation to wow. defend the faith. Stop teaching about diversity, inclusion, and equality, and get back to teaching about redemption and salvation. Yay! This is spiritual neglect. Help people by telling them the truth. Be kind to people by supporting them through those struggles and reminding them that Christ suffers with them. And be compassionate by leading them to Christ when the world tries to lead them away from him. It can be done with varying shades, but I got to tell you something. That was speaking truth in love. Well done, sir. I have no doubt that some of you will consider me a bigot or a transphobe or a homophobe, but I am neither of those things, none of those things. I am simply a follower of Christ, a Christian. And we are naturally countercultural. And if so-called liberals were truly diverse and tolerant, they would embrace us just as they embrace everyone else. <laughs> That's what you call sarcasm. I wouldn't deliver it that subtly, but he did. But in the words of St. Athanasius of Alexandria, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Applause for the Reverend Calvin Robinson. There are some good men in the Anglican communion fighting to stay biblical, not just to be countercultural and not to reclaim a nation, but to stand firmly on the word of God. This is the call of the day. And I do believe we have another model in this man. Again, varying shades of speaking truth and love. Sometimes it can be energized and even exercised, but the hearers should know we don't hate them. You're wrong. You're acting like a false teacher, a wolf in sheep's clothing. We speak the truth, but it must be done in love. Well done to the Reverend Kelvin Robinson for standing firm and modeling that for us. You've arrived at your Greyhound destination. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched News from Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start with the Smithsonian's new American Women's History Museum. Can you guess the special thing that's been included in the brand new Women's History Museum? Men. That's right. Men pretending to be women are now part of women's history. I would argue more on the side of destroying it or rewriting it. You know, Kind of like those pesky communists tend to always do. And next news on our favorite congresswoman from Missouri, Cori Bush. You know, Miss Defund the Police. Well, we send a hearty congratulations out to her because she recently got married to a security guard. Seems a bit ironic, but I guess she just wants to make sure there's somebody there to protect her, even though she doesn't want the rest of us to have that same protection. And a court in West Virginia has placed an injunction on a law banning gender-confused males from competing in women's sports. And you know, this isn't news to us, it's not new, but recently I've started wondering if this is really more just about everybody getting a trophy than it is anything else. What's happened in the last 25 years? And in Kansas, Republicans recently have passed multiple bills fighting against LGBT ideology, including the Fairness in Women's Sports Bill. See, again, it's not new. And just as it's done in recent years in Kansas, these bills have set up a clash with Kansas's Democratic Governor Laura Kelly. 
It's a battle that's going to continue in Kansas and all over the country because, again, boys playing in girls' sports is not anything new, but we've got to continue standing firm. We can't be swayed or deterred by the radical left. And speaking of standing firm, we've, we've talked quite a bit about Missouri's College of the Ozarks and the Biden administration's big battle over the last few years. Well, now the school has appealed to SCOTUS as they continue standing firm against Biden's trans dorm policy. You remember the good old days when college dorms were a place to just sleep and study? What a time it is now to be alive. And finally, Reverend Calvin Robinson is continuing to make headlines. After he spoke up recently in favor of biblical God-designed marriage, the good reverend made an appearance on TV in Great Britain where he addressed the growing trend of drag queen story time. Ask not why your children need to spend time with drag queens. Ask why drag queens are so keen to spend time with your children. That's a real question that we all should be asking. Of course, we do know the answer, and it's not because they want to promote family values and traditional gender roles. And this has been your Wretched News. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Haggai was a prophet around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. When the efforts to rebuild the temple had stopped, Haggai encouraged the people to continue and reminded them of God's presence among them and the importance of assembling together to worship. When you consider your priorities, give careful attention to the worship of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Gotta love parody. This is Wretched Radio. David Lopez, I don't know who you are, dude, but you put together a clever YouTube video that reveals God must be judge and the excuse of the unrepentant sinner that they do good things besides perhaps breaking a law on occasion should not stand up in a courtroom where the judge is just. Second, this particular parody reveals with a smack, the love of God, the He Gets Us campaign right now wants you to feel the love of Jesus by showing his humanity. I think that it fails on two levels. Well, actually, I think it fails on a number of levels, which we explain in a YouTube video, which we'll be launching later this week. But two levels, this particular campaign fails. One, by only focusing on the humanity of Jesus Christ, you miss the impact of his sacrifice. But if God dies for sinners, if God himself, come to, himself comes to this planet to feed and to heal and to care for people and to proclaim truth, whoa, that's staggering love. But there's another problem, and we evangelicals, we can sometimes forget that the subject in John 3.16 isn't the love of Jesus, it's the love of God. It was the love of the Father. The judge who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So does it reveal the love of Jesus? Of course it does. But the emphasis of John 3.16 is the love of the father that he would send his son to redeem sinners, lawbreakers, criminals, to be the sacrifice, to pay the penalty for their sins so that he could be just and the justifier of the ungodly. All right. Order in the court. So, John, we now have you on record that you were texting while driving, ran through a stop sign, and as a result, hit his grandma. 
What is your defense? I didn't mean to do it. Interesting. Can you please expand on that? How does that even count as a defense? Because my heart didn't have evil intentions. All right. Hey, hey, everyone relax. I'd really like to hear his defense. My intentions were good. I was just trying to encourage my sick grandma. You know what that's like. And I lost sight of my surroundings. I mean, I love people. You know, and I think if you and your grandma got to know me, you guys would really like me. My grandma's on a hospital bed being transformed into an android because of you. Well, then I think I'll pay her a visit. No, what you should do is pay for the hospital bills and go to jail. You broke the law and you broke my grandma. Let's get things back on track. John, I reviewed your profile. I got to be honest with you. I, I think if you and your grandmother got to know him, you would, you'd really like him. You got to be kidding me right now. Hear me out. It says here every month you give to charity and he pays his taxes. And if I could, I would give more. You also volunteer at a homeless shelter and donate food every Tuesday night. Yes. And I would have gone last Tuesday, but I got in a little accident. Really? And you've also been married for 17 years. You have five children and run a nonprofit business. I'm faithful. I'm committed. And I would do whatever it takes to provide for my little ones. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. What is happening right now? You're seeing a good man who made an honest mistake. Oh, is that what we're calling it now? A mistake? Breaking the lies? Nothing more than a mistake? Did you not just hear everything I read off? Yes, I did. And you want to put a man like this in jail. Well, then that's what I get for being good. I don't want him in jail because of the good he's done. I want him in jail because he broke the law and all the damage he caused. Why can't I show him a little love? I didn't come to you so you could show him love. I came to you so you could show justice. I think love is justice. That doesn't make any sense at all. All right, look, I I'm going to have to dismiss the charges. Based on what? Based on the fact he's a good guy. Am I right? I feel it in my heart. I really am. Please tell your grandma for me. I thought you were a just judge. I'm a loving judge. This is not loving. This is unjust. <laughs> I don't know. I feel loved. Would you rather have a loving judge or a just judge? Why can't you be both? The people want love, so I'm going to show them love. That's the kind of judge I want to serve. <laughs> I'm honored to be serving you. Bailo. He's a good guy, too. Just last week, I let him go free after lying on his taxes because he works hard. He's always on time. And he has a good attitude. Even if I never pay my taxes again, I will always try and do what's right. What? You're telling me that as long as I'm a good person and I break the law, I don't have to fear the consequences? As long as my good outweighs my bad, then I can go free? I mean, there's worse guys out there. Why would you want to put a good man in jail? The law isn't just for bad people. It's for all people. No one is above it, regardless of how many good things you do. Otherwise, there's no point in having a law. It means nothing. My judge would never send good people to jail. You break the law, you pay the penalty. If you're going to determine cases based off of good character, that's not justice. That's unjust. That's not love. You're not making any sense. Why can't you just accept the loving judge? I mean, how rude are you for telling good people they can go to jail for breaking the law? The only way this is going to make any sense at all is if you don't dismiss his case based off his good character, but that he pays his penalty or someone pays it for him. Now, here's where it takes a little bit of a U-turn. The judge has been saying, I let people get away with stuff, therefore I'm loving. A real loving judge engages in the case. But that he pays his penalty or someone pays it for him. You, you think someone would do that for me? I mean, I am a really good person. <laughs> I, would you do that? Ooh, I didn't run over anybody's grandma. I don't want that on me. 
But I'm a good person. I mean, I just ran over one little old grandma. I mean, how much time does she have anyways? If someone did that for you, it's not because they think you're good, buddy. You almost killed someone. They would do it out of love. Well, then who would do that? The only one who could do something like that is the judge himself. What? If you were to take his place, then you would be able to give him the love that you desire to show him and the justice the law demands. Whoa. All at the same time. Whoa. You would do that for me? Uh, no. <laughs> so much for all that love talk. Yep. I'm a good guy. What kind of judge would do such a thing? Who would ever dare do that? Great question, Your Honor. Only one book has that answer. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this God set aside, nailing it to the cross of his only beloved son. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. When you go evangelizing, you're going to run into this court case. Hey, I do good things. Hey, I try really hard. I'm not as bad as other people. And they will try to paint God as being unloving by not just wiping everybody's slate clean. Just the opposite. What makes it an act of love is that he sent his son to die for us while we were yet sinning. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. This is what makes God's love so magnificent is that he satisfies the demands of his own laws. You aren't going to find a loving judge to do that, where the judge would have not just somebody who, what is that, Jimmy? There's a judge in like Connecticut or something. He's an older fellow, very entertaining guy, an actual judge. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. And he'll dismiss cases because they bring their story, what have you. Right. And perhaps maybe he'd even pay for some parking fines. But what if an axe murderer who was a child molester, who had robbed people, Bernie Madoff scammed people, on and on and on. Do you think that he'd pay that fine? Not a chance. What makes God's love so staggering is not that he gets us in his divinity. It is that he loved us while we were yet sinning. How we present God. Don't back down because you think it makes you sound mean and judgmental. If you want God to be the staggeringly loving God, we preach the law, we preach the gospel, we preach repentance and faith. Bear grills says Jesus is totally non-religious, citing Matthew 9, 10 through 13. Jimmy, mm -hmm. want to take a look at Matthew 9, 10 through 13? It's in the New Testament. Okay. Right-hand side, about two-thirds of the way through. Bear Grylls sharing an image of Jesus taking a selfie. Oh, from what I've learned, says Bear, about this refugee and renegade, huh, is that Jesus truly was a wild one. He was totally non-religious, 100% free, fun, loving, and insanely generous and kind. No, he wasn't insanely generous. He was pretty generous and kind. Bill Gates has given more money. Bill Gates probably is responsible for meeting, feeding more people. His love isn't that amazing if he's just a mere mortal and a renegade. Or as Tom Penny, Tom Pet, no, Tom Petty, Penny. Petty. I was going to say Tom Pennington saying, 
That would be really inappropriate. <laughs> Tom Pennington's a really good brother in Texas. He's If you're looking for a good church, find Tom Pennington's. I, I can't give you the exact address. Just drive around. It's there someplace. You'll find it. Eventually, Jesus wasn't a renegade. Jesus wasn't a wild one. Jesus was the son of God who died for sinners. Jimmy, what's Matthew 9? Uh, Matthew, then it, then it happened through 13, right? Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came oh, and he partied with people. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 He's fun and loving and insanely generous and kind, hundred percent free and non-religious, except he came to fulfill the laws of Moses. <laughs> My Ancilla. This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Are you, like the rest of us, tired of the same old Christian TV shows? Well, then look no further than Transformed. Season 2 has just been released. If you saw Season 1, then you know Transformed is not your typical Christian production. It offers a unique perspective on biblical counseling by sharing the stories and struggles of people with real issues who are seeking real solutions. I seem to be singled out for mistreatment. Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University, hosts the show together with Dale Johnson, Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. By viewing our circumstances first and not who God is, our judgment's clouded, and Cain is a great example of that. If you're ready to transform your walk with Christ with a profound and lasting impact, Transform Season 2 is available now at wretched.org store. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. 
Attributes of God God is incomprehensible. Finite humans cannot fully comprehend the one who created everything. Yet he has revealed himself in the Bible. And while we cannot know him exhaustively, we can know what is true about him. And once we are reconciled through Christ, we will never stop learning about him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. As the world turns. Insane. The idea that an eight-year-old child or a ten-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. <laughs> Man, Silla. This is Wretched Radio. The world, it isn't turning insane. It always has been. There may have been some cultural norms that deflected, that curbed, to use a term by Martin Luther, curbed the behavior of our culture. But those curbs are being removed. And cars are starting to drive all over the front lawn. Thank you. I'm going to stick with that illustration. Uh, story number one, soul dysphoria. And this is from a Spencer Clavin at American Mind, reminding us that this movement to let boys be boys and girls be girls is not a high view of the body. In fact, the whole LGP, etc. movement is not a high view of humanity. Consider the two women who get married and then adopt children. All of this is in air quotes, by the way, and then adopt children. What is that saying? Children don't need a male. However, there's just a little problem. Two dudes get married. They adopt children. What are they saying? Perhaps not vocally, but they are expressing it by their decisions. Children don't need a woman. That worldview means people don't matter whether you're a boy, a girl, a pink, a blue, a yellow, a what zebra, whatever. You just don't matter. You're not needed. And the trans movement, it lowers the view of the body. I was just reading through 1 Corinthians 15 last night in my 62 hours of private quiet time. Did you see the Instagram pictures I sent of myself doing that? Just to encourage you, Father, just not to brag or nothing. I'm just saying, and the hot chocolate that you saw, mmm, really good. 1 Corinthians 15 means the body is important. There will be a resurrection, and this tent that we currently inhabit, it will be a spiritual body. It'll be physical, but it's going to be built for eternity, both in heaven and in hell. The body matters, but not according to our progressive worldview. From Mr. Clavin. Transactivism increasingly comes along with the implication that the body has no inherent integrity, that its meaning is entirely at the whim of its inhabitant. Dr. Kennedy, a trans youth specialist and director of the Center for Trans Youth Health and Development at the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. Now, this woman probably thinks that I'm going to be mean, but doctor, I've never taken a sharp instrument to the body parts of children. Like you do. Just saying. Listen to this quote. Here's the thing about chest surgery. Okay, explain. You know what that sounds like? Jimmy, have you seen that YouTube commercial that seems to pop up if you go to any sort of religious videos? It's a guy with kind of a dark beard, longer beard, 
and he's sitting in what appears to be a study with books. And he says, so like, here's the funny thing about the serpent. I'm sorry. Here's the, here's the funny thing about the serpent. Every time I see it, I'm like, no, dude, nothing funny about the serpent, meaning the devil tossing the whole world into the fall. Nevertheless, this doctor says, here's the thing about chest surgery. <laughs> if you want um, female chest parts at a later point in your life, you can go and get them. <laughs> you cut off a finger, you can get another finger. Cut off a foot, just go get some sort of, of extension to your body. That's all you got to do. Don't worry about cutting off body parts. We've got ways of correcting that if you change your mind. Reacting is British journalist Douglas Murray asking, are people like blocks of Lego onto which new pieces can be stuck, taken off, and replaced again at will? Prosthetics. That's the word I was looking for. Uh. Right, That would be a NyQuil delay, what you got going on there. This is from Abigail Maring from the American Mind, the incoherence of feminist ideology. Once again, any worldview outside of Christianity is going to be incoherent. It is going to collide into itself. And we have seen that, have we not, with the LGBTQ movement? Have we not just seen that with the transgender movement? But the feminist movement, totally incoherent. It's right there from the article. There's a loud demand these days for men and women to be interchangeable. We cannot talk about specific roles, duties, or gender-specific traits of men and women. Remember, that would be sexist. Don't ask, then, why somebody wants to be a different gender when they espouse that it doesn't matter what gender you are. Society is comfortable with affirming men who are tender and women who are tough because it breaks the mold of traditional gender roles that we've grown to detest. We applauded Harry Styles for wearing a dress in his photo shoot because he stood up against the idea that masculinity means nothing in particular. Quote, it's telling that we squirm at the idea of men being masculine and women being feminine. Isn't that the truth? Why does they, they label anything masculine as toxically masculine? And to be sure, masculinity isn't reduced to a caricature. It's funny. I think sometimes we can actually do that on the right, can't we? We see way over on the left, people who caricature women, men who think that they're a woman. How do they dress? How do they present themselves as a woman? Well, they, they look like they should be in a circus it, it, or, or some sort of vaudeville show. But that's not how real women behave and dress. And it's misogynistic in that it reduces women to a caricature, a silly one. But we got to be careful we don't do that on the right, that we don't reduce masculinity to being tough or a hunter or having a beard or shooting a gun or making sure that the woman and the kids are in their place. Let's not reduce masculinity to a caricature either. Shall we? Back to the article. The contradictions of feminism are screaming in our face. Here's an example. 2019, Kamala Harris said that there are not enough women filling the seats at the table. Quote, something I've seen over and over again as my own, in my own career is that women in power bring a different perspective 
an essential perspective. Hey, what are you talking about, Miss Vice President? That isn't progressive. There's something inherent in women that is different than men, and the world is missing it by prioritizing men in power. I thought there were no differences, Miss Ms. Vice President, Mrs. Vice President. She's, is she single? Who's she married to? She's married. To whom? Mr. Uh, Harris? Mr. Harris. <laughs> she took his name? Well, uh, I'll find out. Another inconsistency. If society wants to fight for women at the table, we should be comfortable saying exactly what it is that makes them women and what makes men different and essential. We can't act like differences between men and women don't exist, only to pull out the vague essential female perspective card when it serves the oppression narrative. This is, this is the incoherence of feminism. Please note, got to be careful. I do believe there is a distinction between the traditional model of femininity and the biblical model. You can see, did we do that yet? I think it's close to, I think maybe we released that video. I can't keep it straight. Can I blame the NyQuil for the 900th time this week? That there's a slight difference between traditional femininity, which didn't offer enough liberty. It's the biblical balance that makes the understanding of the role of women and the role of men accurate and true. From the article, we cannot play the woman card and then get mad when our gender-specific traits are taken into consideration. We cannot say that women bring a unique set of talents and qualities to the world if we refuse to talk about what those talents and qualities are. You can't say that a, a woman is more empathetic. <gasps> that's, a, that's a traditional way to describe women. This person writes, I'm naturally smaller, more nurturing, and compassionate than the men in my life. I have deeper desire to be loved, cherished, and protected. Clearly a woman who's under the oppression of man. The men in my life are naturally stronger, command more authority, and have a deeper desire to be respected and followed. These aren't exclusive traits. Men want to be loved too and women respected, but they do flow from real distinctions and ways of being that are not socially constructed, but exist deep within us. All of these worldviews, these progressive worldviews, it takes about a second to scratch the surface and say, that don't make no sense. You're telling me that men don't have any inherent differences or value that they bring to the family? You're telling me that women bring nothing to the party? That sure sounds misogynistic. Whatever it is, it's not biblical. The feminist worldview, just add another car to the progressive train of incoherence. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.